0: All right, so Brendan, big step in my life over the last month or so, finally got myself an electric toothbrush, and I don't know how I went 27 years without owning an electric toothbrush. Like, It's an absolute game changer. I- I'm not sure like, like, how I kept up with brushing my teeth as long as I did manually, um, but if you are in the market or if any of our listeners are in the market for an electric toothbrush – Get a nice two-for-one deal with Green Mountain Dental. You can get a cleaning x-ray and exam, and they will actually give you a free Sonicare uh, toothbrush. The Sonicare is awesome, really high quality, gets the job done. And like I said, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group, they'll give you that free Sonicare. It's in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're also extreme Colorado sports fans, uh, just like all of us. So... Hit up Green Mountain Dental, get a free Sonicare, and honestly, if you're somebody like me who is on a manual toothbrush, um, it will save you uh, just a lot of headaches. It's a game changer. So get a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush at GMDG today. Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind and Brendan vote here. Monday edition of the show. We are presented today, as we always are, by Illegal Pete's, where we had our watch party, second watch party of the season on Saturday. Saw a nice win over the
1: Phoenix Suns. Um, Brendan, that was a fun night, huh? Awesome night, man. Pretty cool to see Illegal Pete's stacked with Nuggets fans. Saw a lot of DNVR merch, D-Line Co. merch. Um, But it wasn't just people, it was our people. The family showed out. It was great for me to see everyone. Honestly, dude, that's my favorite part of the job. Watching the games is cool. I like writing. I I like tweeting and being creative, but getting to meet the the real people, the real Nuggets fans, that's where it's at. Yeah,
0: man, the watch party was awesome. Uh, Interacting with all you guys, talking hoops with you guys, meeting some new people that I weren't at the first watch party or that I haven't met at a game or whatnot. And I also thought it was cool, and we were teasing this on the podcast. We told you guys to get there early, and you guys came through big time. For sure. But it was a smaller space. It was a more intimate environment. It was really cool just kind of standing up at the bar with everyone that, that was around the bar and just reacting to the game in real time. Like, I, like I, I don't know. We're all just, you know, it, it felt like a, a real family atmosphere. It was, it was intimate. It was tight. It was jam-packed in there, so... Yeah, thanks to everybody who came out. I had a great time. Uh, thanks for all you guys who bought me vodka sodas, bought me White Claws. You listened. I really appreciate
1: you guys. Uh,
0: it was a great night.
1: People really did buy us drinks. It's incredible. Thank you if you're one of those people. We met some folks who told us you know, how long they've been listening to this podcast, but where we listen to this podcast. Met a very nice couple who told us about how they play the podcast in the morning and their kids wake up to it sometimes and they watch the live stream, so um, it's not about us, but you know what? It is about us. It felt really nice. It was a nice <laughs> yeah, stroke for my ego.
0: For sure. I want to give a shout out to somebody I met at the watch party for the first time. And I shouted him out on Twitter, but I don't think he's on Twitter, but he'll hear it here on the podcast. And this guy's been calling into our show, emailing into our show for probably three years. But I finally met him on Saturday at Legal Pizza for the first time. Ranchman. Big time. Evan from Castle Rock drove all the way up with his wife, uh, first watch party he's been to, obviously the first time I met him, but it, that's what it's about for me, uh, the, you guys who listen to this podcast, to meet you guys face to face, that's one of the coolest parts of this job for me, um, and just kind of seeing you know, w- the appreciation that you have for what we do, and obviously we appreciate you guys so much as uh, the listeners, so... And that was really cool. And then um, my guy, Balaj, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. It's, dude's a doctor. I was talking about like Nuggets hit injuries and, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be all right, if Gary Harris is going to be all right with a freaking doctor. Just getting tons of insight there. So <laughs> that was really cool, too. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome to meet to meet a lot of you guys. And I can't wait for the next one.
1: I've always felt like, Harrison, I've described a concept that I call the more, which is everything that happens in the world of sports outside of those four quarters, right? And it's, whether that's the podcast we're doing that people are listening to, um, all the other great writers in the market that I'm reading every day, Nuggets fans don't have a lot of places to turn for the more. You can't just flip on SportsCenter after the game. It's probably not being talked about at this moment in time. You can't, two-thirds of the city can't really watch them even locally, so for me being able to put these events on and seeing people who appreciate that who are just looking for the more and then when you get that physical when we're all in the same space together and you can see this community that that it thrives online you know it's comprised of real people real life people and when we get to spend time together to me that's just the coolest thing and The the, Being in press row is fun, man, but it's a little weird because I am a basketball fan. I root for the Nuggets, and there's something really cathartic about going to Illegal Pete's, yelling with everyone else, having a couple shots, and and enjoying it like a fan.
0: Yeah, and and the bottom line, the watch parties are fun. We hope they're fun. We want them to be fun, and so far the couple that we've had have been really fun. They've been really good games too, which has helped. But I also do feel like in our job, as reporters, as analysts, as people that cover the team, we don't have enough fun. Yeah, uh, and, and I feel like here at DNVR, that's something that we're really trying to do more and more. Uh, that's something we, we've tried to do more and more throughout the season. We're trying to have as much fun with our coverage as we can, while you know, still, um, still being objective, still reporting the facts. Uh, and we we just try to make this fun for our listeners, for our audience, because. I feel like that's what you guys want, and you know that's what we want to try to make happen as well. So that, that's our goal. That, that's my goal in all of this, too.
1: And what's the point, right? I mean, what's the point of, of... I love sports. There's so much meat on the bone and food for thought, and you can really get intellectual and emotional about it if you want, but what's the point of covering sports, building your life around a game if you can't have fun with it? So I appreciate the way we handle it as a company and approach it as a company, but... Um, Again, the biggest shouts to those people who make that possible for us. If you've ever been to a watch party, um, this appreciation is real. You're our family. We appreciate it.
0: Definitely. And we'll get to the game. It was a great game, uh, this win over the Suns. Jamal Murray had a huge night and a lot of other interesting storylines I thought emerged that uh, we'll definitely get to. But on the subject of our audience and our listeners, I wanted to share this story that one of our listeners and Guys we always interact with on Twitter. Harlow sent along. Harlow is from Anchorage, Alaska. He makes the pilgrimage down to catch a Nuggets game every year. We met him before the Nuggets win over Portland last week at Pepsi Center. And he sent along this story to us that I want to read on the show real quick. He writes in, I'm not writing to rehash what happened on the court during Nuggets and Jazz last week. Uh, that details of the game Scott Hastings called the best Nuggets regular season win in franchise history. I agree with that. Yep. I have been fully celebrated and savored on podcasts, internet memes, and the, like, Magnificent Seven. Thank you very much. I'd just like to contribute some context, some texture to the evening. My son and I make the annual trek from Alaska to see the Nuggets. We're fans to the core. He only goes back to the Gallinari and Lawson days. But his fandom is strong. A friend with the Jazz organization hooks us up for a Nuggets game every year. So as long as we wear no Nuggets gear and don't act up, we get those tickets. We scored some great seats, right place, right time, second row tickets that hadn't made it to a client. We sat on either side wow. of the center court stripe. It's <laughs> incredible. That's awesome. that, that, That's another thing, too. If you have never – I know this is easy for us to say, but you know these tickets are super expensive – But if you ever have the chance to sit, not even courtside, but like five or 10 rows up, game changer. The the game is completely different. It's so much faster. You really gain a new appreciation for it. Uh, But, anyways, already aware of the depleted roster, I'd psychologically conceded the game and accept that we were going to be sitting next to some of the most obnoxious fans in sports for a likely beatdown. My son was nearly in tears last year in Utah when Gobert dominated Jokic. And a row of drunk fans in front of us harassed Jokic. Jokes the whole game. Enjoy the the action. (laughs) That is rough. (laughs) Enjoy the action. I told them don't worry about the score or the the obnoxious fans. The seats are amazing. Just enjoy some great NBA action close up. Turns out Jazz fan was sitting directly in front of us for this game. Easy to spot. Middle-aged, light skin, backwards cap, drunk and obnoxious. Yelled (laughs) stuff like, Murray, you suck or more, st- or something more profane and idiotic after every one of his buckets. Never sat down, announced to the whole section that he was the biggest Jazz fan in the arena. We looked away every time he tried to catch us in his 20-foot diameter of high fives. <laughs> well, fast forward, and the game didn't go that well for that Jazz fan. Harlow writes that security came over to shut him down, told him to sit down and be quiet the rest of the game or he'd be escorted out. So that's what he did. He goes on to write, Vivid Arena is amazing, as you know, with no hockey for. The seats lean right over the court, and the so fans cool. are passionate. Yeah, That's spot on. That arena is so loud. Um, but Harlow goes on, when Utah's three at the end of the game clanked off the rim at the buzzer, there was a weird, almost palpable transformation in that building. Totally out of character, Jokic flexed his muscles and yelled, And his shout cut through the collective hush. That heavy quietness that happens when 18,000 people deflate all at once. The mood of that crowd was embodied perfectly in Gobert. Slumped, silent, headed for the exit. Five years of home dominance over. Lots of highlights from our trip, Harlow says, including meeting you guys at the Blazers game the night before. Jokic's brilliant play. Craig and Harris lockdown of Damian and Donovan. Wancho Malik's final act. Sitting with a Serbian family of rabid Jokic fans at Pepsi Center who traveled 9,000 miles to see the Blazers game. But the takedown of the Jazz might be the sweetest. Uh, I, I'd say so. That, that's so cool, Harlow. Thanks for uh, sending that over. And great and, meeting um, you, by the way. Yeah, it, it was great to meet you. He, he closes with, I feel like I know you guys from all the podcast commutes over the years. Thanks for providing layers of depth to the fan experience, especially to us Vagabond fans. Adam is right in saying sports is a stupid tribal thing. But man, it's fun to be part of the Nuggets tribe right now. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, yeah, great to meet you, Harlow. Thanks for sending along that story.
1: Coming for our jobs, Harlow. That was some good writing. I got a little
0: <laughs> that was I, some goosebumps there. <laughs> that was good. So yeah, if hey, if you guys ever want to meet up with us during the games, uh, we always hang out outside Section One Forty Four. If you're ever at halftime,
1: like, if you're tentative, if you're unsure if you should come up to us, the answer is always yes. Like, we're just dudes. We only talk to each other. So, we love meeting you. So, um, yeah, if you're around, if you're at a game, stop by 144.
0: Yeah, 144 at halftime. The perch. A lot of regulars that we've uh, gotten to know pretty well over the season. So, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I promise we will get to this win over the Suns. But as always, we take subscriber member questions before the first break. Uh, if you are a member to DNVR and you have a question, Comment in uh, on the dnvr.com where this podcast will live and we'll get to it on Tuesday's show. So Quentin Walker writes in. Do you guys think Jamal Murray's recent success after coming back from the injury is just him playing ball or is there a degree of hidden motivation involved? Could he be out to prove something after not being selected to the All-Star game? Interesting. Hmm. Interesting from Quentin.
1: What, what do you think about that? So I actually your phone call blipped out on me. We're talking Jamal, right? I lost you there for a second.
0: Yeah. Uh, Quentin Walker wrote in, do you think Jamal Murray's recent success after coming back from the yeah. injury is just him playing ball or is there a degree of hidden motivation involved? Could he be out to prove something after not
1: getting selected to the all-star game? I think he was just very, very eager to get back out there. You know, I don't know based stuff the way his season started. However, Jamal might think of himself as a player in his ceiling. Like I'm sure he wasn't expecting an all-star berth. I look at this as a guy who got to kind of change his perspective, got to watch this half-court offense operate from the sidelines instead of being a part of it, got to see what this team is missing, what he can contribute, and most importantly, just as a competitor, as a warrior, was itching to go as soon as he could. So I don't know if this is like a, hey, you know, I was snubbed, um, but I do think it's a little bit of a, hey, I'm back. Don't forget about me.
0: Yeah, I agree with that for sure. He had some really interesting comments post-game after that Portland win, his first game back after missing 10 games, and you kind of alluded to it there. He spoke about just being on the sidelines for two, three weeks. This was the longest amount of time Jamal Murray's ever missed for an injury during the season, and it seems like he really relished that. It it seems like it gave him a new perspective on the team, the pace that this team is supposed to play at, how this... Offense, which at one time was this high motion equal opportunity offense, how that offense is supposed to be run, where to get guys the ball in certain spots. So he talked as if that 10 game absence really changed some things for him, just right. like from a mindset perspective. He also said he watched a lot of film over that time. So I just sensed from that point after he made those comments, Murray was re energized. Uh, he was just c- kind of had his legs back under him. Maybe we know he's still a little hurt. We know that sure. the ankle is still bothering him a little, but he also seemed just
1: kind of refocused to me and, and kind of recalibrated. I agree. And that'll be really exciting to see. Cause remember Jam- you and I have hit on this. Jamal's coming back to a different team now. Um, not only have we seen more Grant and MPJ, but for a lot of, you know, that, that start of Jamal's season was trying to navigate a grumpy and disinterested Jokic, right? And it, should he be in charge of the offense and all of that? Well, Jokic is back now, right? And, and we've got a, a more of a sense of who some of these other guys are. So how does Murray fit into that? Um, he's refreshed. He's coming back to a new team. And so in a sense, man, I almost look at those first few months as irrelevant now, right? We're, we're, we're gathering new data going forward. and And gosh, he's off to a good start.
0: Yeah, so we'll talk about his night a little more in segment two. And then this next question comes from another subscriber here. I think it's pronounced uh scotchmis Scotchmis Sure. Uh, uh, but is there a chance for the Rockets to totally break apart <laughs> and not qualify for the playoffs, and maybe the Nuggets can get a high pick in the draft? Who knows now when odds are evened? Uh, so what do you think about the Rockets and the uh, ultra-small-ball approach that they
1: are committing to here? I mean, look, anytime you try something that is seemingly so radical, I guess the concept of the wheels falling entirely off um, is on the table, right? Especially when we know how Houston' season's gone, just in terms of, like, the decision to trade Capella alone kind of seems to be admitting or copping to, like, hey, this isn't working. Um, but I don't know... Like, I think there are a lot of teams and matchups in which it very well could work. You know, when I talk about how this changes things for Houston, for me, that's all from the Denver perspective. Like, Jokic probably can't be guarded in a seven-game series. But that doesn't mean what they're doing can't work, right, against the rest of the league. I think James Harden is too good. People forget, in my opinion, what his regular season floor is as the best player on a team. He has taken some actually subpart rosters to, you know, some really high win totals, I'd be blown away if they completely fell apart and missed the playoffs, to be honest.
0: Yeah, for them to totally miss the playoffs, uh, that'd be crazy. I think they'll still get in, but I don't think this experiment's going to work. It could string together a lot of wins in the regular season. I don't see it working in the playoffs, though. I mean, just thinking about some of the teams they could get matched up with, The Lakers, they're not going to be able to guard the Lakers uh, with Anthony Davis. Um, The Nuggets, obviously, I really don't see how they could guard Jokic in that type of series. And so I'm just not a believer. Uh, I'm just not. I think it's going to fall apart and Houston will probably flame out in the first round. Maybe they'll make it to the second round. And I would anticipate a
1: huge shakeup in Houston, if and when that happens. They are just uh, a game and a half up on Oklahoma City for that sixth seed, um, and, and Dallas as well for the seven. So sitting at five now, could they slide to six, seven, eight? Do you see that as possible?
0: Yeah, I see it. I see like that's a possibility. Uh, right now, the pick that the Nuggets would be getting from Houston, of course, as a part of that four-team deal, at number 22 overall. Uh, so right now, if the season ended today, of the Nuggets we get the twenty-second pick in the draft. Hmm.
1: Not bad, not great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Houston, we'll see, man. We'll see. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to work in the playoffs. But as far as, I, I mean, I do think they mostly stay afloat in the regular season. I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not scared of them. Right at the start of the season, they really did seem like um, one of the bona fide contenders, or at least possibly. Right, that was their ceiling. They don't look that way so far, and, and this, this move is bold to say the least.
0: It's so bold and it's right up the rocket's alley. I feel like, but yeah, for the record, uh, not a strong believer in it. I will right, we'll get back to the show real quick. Got to tell you guys about one of our favorite beers from Breck brewery though. Uh, the one and only strawberry sky. Mm-hmm. So we actually, uh, a few of us here at DNVR went out to the Breck brew headquarters. Um, the other day, if you guys haven't been out there, the place is awesome. You can take like a brewery tour at the Breck Brew headquarters, but instead of drinking a like, crappy Coors or Bud at, at one of those tours, you're drinking Breck Brew on, on the Breck Brew tour. So um, you get a lot of bang for your buck, if you know what I mean. And I'm sure <laughs> you'd be able to to sample some Strawberry Sky there as well. Um, great beer from Breck Brew. I could not recommend it more. So check it out at your local liquor store or if you're out at the bar, Strawberry Sky. So I feel like we've had a lot of weed shops come across uh, on this podcast over the years, You know, over the last two, three years that we've been doing this thing. I got to say, though, I I went into Mile High Green Cross the other day. It's my favorite. It's my favorite weed store that I've been to in the Denver area. Uh, they got award-winning products, everyday low prices. Right now, you can sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off of your entire purchase once per month. It's right downtown at Ninth and Broadway. Uh, You can get in and out of there in like 9, 10 minutes. It's really, you're just in and out, no problem. And remember, sign up for their loyalty program right now. Receive 20% off of your entire purchase once per month. This offer even extends to current members, too. And, like, these guys have everything you would want, award-winning products, $99 pre-packed ounces, V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100, top-shelf stuff, get in and out quickly, right downtown on 9th and Broadway. Check out Mile High Green Cross. All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. We are presented by Illegal Pete's. Let's get into this latest Nuggets win, 117-108 over the Phoenix Suns. Denver moves 37-16, and 17-10 on the road. I think they only won 20 road games last year. Is that correct? I think that's in the ballpark. Uh, but the headliner of this game, Brendan Jamal Murray. 36 points. He missed just three shots from the field. 14 of 17, 6 of 8 from 3. Where does this rank in like your all-time Jamal Murray
1: games? I think that this is outside of his peaks in the playoffs. The best I have seen Jamal Murray play, and I'm including the Boston Celtics game because I thought in that Celtics game Murray just got super and over hot. Um, obviously he did last night as well, but He picked his spots, man. I tweeted out his shot chart earlier tonight. There's only two of those kind of like DeRozan-esque mid-rangers. Everything else is right around the rim or a three. My first watch through the game, it was, again, we've hammered this point home, but it was the types of threes he was taking. Like, oh, they went under on a screen? I'm pulling up. No hesitation. Oh, they got caught up on that screen? I am pulling up. No hesitation. And so it wasn't so much Jamal dribbling the air out of the ball and trying to find points. Um, Those points came to him, I thought, fairly organically. And then, of course, he did force the issue when they needed it. Um, As well as good as he's looked, I thought, just getting to the rack at will when he wanted to. That shot chart looks like a modern point guard shot chart. Uh, And so really encouraging stuff, I thought.
0: I got to agree with you. This was one of, if not the best offensive games I've ever seen him play. Definitely in the regular season. And for a lot of the points you hit on there... But my biggest takeaway from his night, he just let the game come to him. Yes. It looks so easy for him. Come off a high dribble handoff, high ball screen uh, with Jokic. Turn the corner, pop a three. Uh, If the defense is all up on me, blow by them and get right to the hoop. The game came so easy to him. He didn't force anything. He took what the defense gave him. He looked confident. Like, he looked confident going to the rim and seeking out contact. He looked confident pulling up from three, even if those were a little contested. That was my biggest takeaway. It just looked like he took what the defense gave him, didn't force the issue. And everything we've been talking about on the podcast in regards to what he needs to do to take his game to the next step, he did that in this game.
1: I know, from that standpoint alone it's the most encouraging thing. Now of course we need the big knock on Jamal's consistency, but the this but that's what makes this encouraging is it's not just like oh he hit the shots this time. It's like oh no, it, it almost sounds like he's hearing that feedback, right? Um we know Malone and the coaching staff have brought up the three-pointer thing. He's aware of it. So it, yeah, maybe maybe the seeds here Harrison of so of an idea really sinking in in Jamal, and of course, I don't think we could any further explain how important that would be for this team's long term development.
0: So, yeah, like I said, 36 points in Phoenix, a place where he's actually scored pretty well historically. He had 28 points on 12 and 19 shooting there earlier this year, and then of course, the 46 point game last season.
1: Both those actually, were in Phoenix. If uh, give me one second, yeah, a French NBA stats account tweeted at us. Uh, Jamal Moore, Jamal Murray in front of the Suns this season. He's averaging 36 minutes a game, 28 points, 5.5 rebounds um, and fi- on 56% from the field and 50% from three. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I don't know if that's all right, but if it is, yeah, he's destroying. He likes that Devin Booker game, huh?
0: Yeah, he likes going up against Devin Booker. He probably already also likes going up against DeAndre Ayton, who I mm. uh, went back and watched all of Murray's shots this morning. DeAndre Ayton... Had one of the worst defensive sequences guarding a Murray Jokic pick and roll that I've probably ever seen. (laughs) One of the absolute worst defensive sequences uh, when guarding a pick and roll in that game Saturday night. Uh, It was on a Murray layup in the first half. I'm going to clip it and put it on Twitter. It was... The worst I think I might have ever seen an NBA player cover a pick and roll as a big. (laughs) I'm I'm not exaggerating, man. I'm not exaggerating. I must have missed that. I can't wait for the clip. Oh, man. It was was crazy. So we kind of already hit on uh, in the first segment Murray's comments after that Blazer game. But I really think there's a lot behind it. And I think this happens for a lot of guys when they're just away from the game a little. They gain a new perspective. Uh, they see the game differently, and uh, they can kind of recalibrate, refocus. And, and I just really feel like that's what he did. And obviously, the stats back that up, and, and we'll see if he can continue uh, this pace that he's up. I mean, not this exact pace, but you know, keep having efficient games like these last three have been. Uh, he's shooting 32 of 52 from the floor, 61.5%, and 13 of 23 from three. 56.5% over the last three games. So we'll see if, you know, this is going to be the new Jamal Murray. Obviously not these averages, not these shooting percentages, but, you know, just how he's kind of navigating out on the floor. We'll see. So I guess the next biggest point, maybe next biggest takeaway uh, from this game, Torrey Craig and Gary Harris's defense on Devin Booker. Um, it, it was superb, again, like it's been in all of these Nuggets and Suns matchups. In four games against Denver, Devin Booker's averaging 15.5 points on 30.6% shooting. Torrey and Gary uh, kind of matched up with him the most in this game. I felt like Torrey's length really affected Booker. And then just Gary Harris's hands getting in there, poking balls away, and turning that into points on the other end uh, were big as well. Michael Malone called Tory an
1: All-NBA defender wow. after this game. What do you think about that? Yeah, he probably doesn't play enough to like actually garner any consideration, right? But is his peak not like Gary Harris-esque here? Um, except a little more length. I know he guards smaller guys better than than true wing players. But look, man, Tory Craig has gotten under the skin and found a real strategy that works for him against the likes of Devin Booker. Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook. These are all NBA level scores and Craig shuts them down. I mean, he, and he's great in the Portland matchup as well, regardless of who he's asked to guard. So is his peak an all NBA level guy? I mean, yes. We're trying to figure out like, well, well how do you stop a guy like Dame? Well, you have Torrey or Gary guard him, you know? <laughs> and so I don't know. I just think his impact on that, on that end, it's the only reason we we would still be having this discussion, right? Torrey Craig would be out of the rotation given what his effect on the offense, if it weren't for this tremendous impact on that end.
0: Yeah. He has been an all NBA defender at times this season for sure. Uh, Like some of his peaks on defense this season have been unbelievable. Really all of these Phoenix games, The Portland games, like you mentioned, that Rockets game when Denver beat Houston early in the season and kind of laid one of the blueprints. Uh, He was amazing in that game on Harden, on Westbrook Mm -hmm. against Don Mitchell, like you said. He's been unbelievable on that end of the floor. And I have to think, and I'll touch on his shooting numbers here also, three of five from three against Phoenix. That accounted, those three threes accounted for all nine of his points. Maybe he's getting hot again like he did last year Hmm. uh, because uh, I've said this on the pod before, but Torrey shot 30% from three before the all-star break last year and 41% from three after the all-star break. And in four games in February so far, 50% from three on three attempts per game. So we'll see if he keeps that up after the break. I would have to think just with his defense and as long as he's making, you know, 35% 35% of his threes, this guy's going to be playing a lot of minutes in the playoffs, I have to think.
1: He's going to be, man. And, you know, these games were really important for him because I think the frustration with his fit in the starting lineup, which, to be fair, like really had more to do, I think, with Malone's deployment of him than, than who he is as a player. But that was really peaking out. And I think fans were ready to... Some fans were ready to give up on Tory Craig. But he's shown his value, his solidified his role on this team. And at, th- at the end of the day, if you have a guy who helps you guard premier perimeter scorers, wouldn't it be kind of a sin to leave him on the bench in the playoffs? So I think there will be situations in which we see a lot of Tory.
0: Yeah. The other guy who is guarding Devin Booker, Gary Harris had a great defensive game as well. Offensively four of 11 from the field. Oh, a three from three Gary's missed 10, three pointers in a row. Now, where are you at with Gary's offense? How, confident are you that he can get it turned around here
1: not expecting it to happen this season you know if it's mental that mental block looks as big as it could possibly look i don't know if he's banged up or what but i i'm also like resigned to this i'm not expecting it anymore when i project what the nuggets may look like down the line or in the playoffs or what that rotation should be none of that is with and gary harris is good again in mind i mean he's gonna have a lot a lot of value for this team, depending on their matchup in the playoffs, right? Um, We know how helpful he is against a team like Portland. We know how essential he would be in a matchup with Houston. There will be some matchups though, where given that you have Torrey out there, if Gary's going to be this much of a lost cause on offense, you're not going to want to see heavy Gary minutes in my opinion, but he will have a role and it's fine. I think it's okay. You've got enough scorers on this team or capable guys on this team. If Gary's just committed to locking up great players, um, you just try to find the value there.
0: Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence either. I don't, and that's tough to say uh, because really up until last year, you know, Gary was like the model of consistency. You always knew what you were getting from him. Um, But I will say though, you know, talking to people around the organization, there's still a lot of confidence in Gary Harris internally. There's hey, still a lot of people that think he's going to turn around and, and very well can.
1: Whatever, for whatever's happening, like, it is a fact that we have seen Gary Harris be a, a plus basketball player on both sides of the floor, right? We've seen that happen for sustained stretches. So we can't call this a slump. It's been the entire season. It includes parts of last season. We have to call it what it is. But... For what it's worth, for those who hold out hope, that's not rooted in fantasy, right? We've seen this with our own two eyes.
0: And I do wonder if this continues up until the playoffs, it's going to be maybe a Will Barton type situation. Mm. Like last year in the playoffs, it got to a point where some games, some quarters, Barton just couldn't be out there. And, you know, here was a guy that's part of the Nuggets core who Michael Mullen pretty much had to bench, and he went to other guys, Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley. Uh, So maybe that happens with Gary. I will say there's a better chance Gary can stay out there, even if his offense continues to be where it is, than Will had last year because Gary's much better defensively. Of course, But I do wonder if Michael Mullen is facing that similar type of dilemma in the playoffs, I'm not sure.
1: But I mean... You know, I wouldn't mind if we can get to this place where the team feels Porter Jr. is ready, that it's Barton at 2, Porter Jr. at 3. And then that that MPJ, that Barton at 2, MPJ 3, Grant at 4 length, I think maybe gives you a better chance at playing team defense against some of these devastating wings. Um, And also then you can just sort of play Gary off the bench as needed. And if if it's a matchup in which it turns out that's 30 minutes, Gary, give us everything you have on defense, that's fine, right? Um, but I feel like you kind of have this nice sort of backup plan, and if it's really, really not working, um, maybe Bartnet to an MPJ three, it does work. I mean, that's a biggest big if. It's a big ask of MPJ, but maybe he's ready by April. That seems like a
0: move I could see happening if the Nuggets were down like o one or o two in a playoff series. Right. Right. I I hope it wouldn't take getting to that point for Denver to make that move. Um, but I- I've said all along that I think it's really going to take a lot, a lot, to move Gary Harris out of the starting lineup, For se. I think it's going to take a lot. I, I predict yeah. they'll still give him the whole regular season. Agreed. But you do hope that they don't wait too long, you know? For sure. All right, let's hit a break real quick. A lot more I want to get to on this game. I, I feel like... We've got to talk about Paul Millsap's return and the big question, as I'm going to put it, that Michael Malone has to decide on uh, when it comes to his front court. Also, some observations on P.J. Dozier and his spot in the rotation. And then I want to talk about Keita Bates-Diop, too. Uh, he was the first new acquisition out of the out of the three that we saw you know, get minutes. So we'll talk about some early impressions of him. We'll be right back.
2: What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I gotta tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48, it's where I watched CU win a Pac 12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from westward. Anyone else that's voting, it's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern.
0: Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. we are presented, as always, by Illegal Pete's. So, Brendan, Paul Millsap is back uh, after like a month absence, man. He's gone forever. Dad's back. He's back. Uh, really solid in his return. 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, no turnovers. In 18 minutes, he came off the bench.
1: He brings such a calming presence to this team, doesn't he? Sure does. I, you can, you get the sense that they were eager to see him return. I'm sure Malone was, um, like to see him sort of, <clears throat> I like the way the team handled this, right? I have said all along, I thought if Millsap had to play the next day, he's been ready to go for a couple of weeks now. Um, that's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not reporting. I'm just speculating, but I liked how patient they were. I liked how they didn't rush him back last night. Ask a lot of him. Um, it's going to take a little bit. Millsap's a big rhythm player. He's told me that m- multiple times before, um, and he was in a great rhythm when he went down, so we'll give him time to work his way back into it, but I thought he looked pretty good, and if you're looking for the ailment, the solution to this this sliding defense, um, look no further than Mr. Millsap's return.
0: So Millsap came off the bench in this game, 18 minutes. I think Malone said after the game that he was on a minute restriction around 19 or 20, so he wanted to bring him off the bench so he could play him in like as many continuous stretches as possible. I'm guessing
1: he eventually moves back into the starting lineup, right? That would be my guess, yeah. And, and I think that has a lot to do with what you were getting at with Gary earlier. That's just my read on Malone, right? If you've earned that opportunity and you're his guy and he's won with you before, he's going to extend every opportunity to you to to retain that position.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Grant's played really well. I've been really impressed with how he's grown into himself and his chemistry with Jokic and the starters has grown during this month-long stint in the starting lineup. But I would expect him to go back to the bench because like Denver just needs Paul Millsap's defense, I think, with that starting group. Uh, Denver is so much better defensively when he's on the court. And when he's been active, Denver has been just such a better defensive team. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the league when he's been in the lineup and one of the worst when he hasn't. So I really do think they need him in that starting lineup and to play starter minutes. Now, I I think when the game is on the line, that's when you can tool around and mess with matchups and whatnot. Maybe Jeremy Grant's your choice then. But I think he will reassume his position in the starting lineup. But the big question that Mike Malone has to answer now is, okay, we've had a little success actually with Jeremy Grant as a small ball five. Am I going to go back to playing four big men here when Mason Plumlee returns or you know, am I going to get Noah Vonleh into these things when Plumlee is still absent? What are kind of your thoughts on that? Do you see Malone going back to the four big rotation?
1: Um, I think I do. I think I do. I would like to see him experiment a little more, but I just don't see it. Um, and and like they got Vonley, right? So they do have that option now. And I feel like that was part um, of the incentive behind making that trade. So I think they probably go back to the four big man. And I think Malone loves and wants to play Plumlee as much as possible. Um, so I don't know how long we'll be waiting for his return. But I think when he's when he's back, it's the it's the traditional four big man.
0: Definitely. I agree. At least in the regular season with the playoffs, but it's going to be so hard to play those guys for big men in the playoffs. I mean,
1: I also don't know, like the Millsap grant decisions are going to be really, really interesting. I mean, you're, you love the the higher floor of your team's defense with Millsap out there. Um, rebounding just slightly better. Uh, the starters with, with Millsap, as opposed to grant, um, they do shoot a little better with Grant. But again, in the playoffs, you're also going to find yourself needing to, hey, how do we guard Kawhi? How do we call Paul George, LeBron James? Um, you're going to need Jeremy Grant to have a prayer at doing so. So it'll be interesting to see, man. I I think that big man rotation in the playoffs is um, right now the, the biggest question outside of MPJ looming over Malone and, and his work to be done.
0: Uh, last one I've got for you, Katie Bates, the played 14 minutes. Do you have any first impressions on him or, or an early read
1: on him? Um, not really, man. I would have to rewatch the game to be honest, especially, you know, especially at a watch party, that third mark really hit, <laughs> really hit. So, um, yeah, I would have to rewatch to really say I got much of an impression, but, um, is this a, maybe a cut from the Tory Craig cloth type of player? Is that a fair kind of, kind of guess?
0: I think he's probably a little more skilled than Torrey, uh, just Um, kind of in all parts of his game, just more polished. Um, But my quick read on him is just the ultimate glue guy doesn't shoot or play, make or score or create at an elite level, but just does everything pretty well. You know, um, he just makes winning plays. I think he's just going to be able to eat up a lot of minutes for Denver. At the either the backup small forward or power forward spot, and um just kind of contribute to winning basketball, like I don't think he's you know going to turn into anything special, but you know a solid off the bench guy who, who can just like I said, eat up minutes, fill a spot, and just really kind of be another link in the nuggets chain
1: is he is he in a, is he an expiring contract or is he a piece the nuggets might want to see what he can turn into down the line? So I think
0: they want to see what he can turn into. He's on a non-guaranteed deal for next season. Actually, the same exact contract Jared Vanderbilt was on as a former second Mm -hmm. rounder. So his contract does not guarantee until, I think, July 7th. Um, So if they do keep him around, which I would guess they do, just because they'll need some extra bodies here uh, with a lot of upcoming free agents, he'll be on a really cheap deal next
1: season, too. Gotcha. Yeah, an intriguing piece, man. He feels like a real Tim Connolly type of player. All
0: right, well, I think that's all we got for today. There was a lot to get to on this game. Of course, we wanted to recap the watch party as well. If you guys guys have questions, send them in. TheDNVR.com for subscribers. We'll read them on Tuesday's show. Talk to you guys then. So we just got some snow uh, over the weekend, a ton of snow. I thought maybe we were in the clear, but uh, we're definitely not. If you need snow plows for your car, your truck, your minivan, whatever you're putting snow plows on, hit up Denver Rubber Company. They're your one-stop shop for anything that has to do with snow plows. You guys have heard me talk about them before. I would not talk as passionately as I do about Denver Rubber Company if I didn't believe in their products and what they sell. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr and tell them who sent you.